Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and this episode is with Jen Colella, who you may know from Come From Away as Captain Beverly Bass and a slew of other credits on Broadway. She is just an amazing person. Our conversation quickly turned into a completely different format, and I absolutely loved it. It was so unusual in a good way, just unique and Jen, too, is just a unique person. She's very spiritual, but her vision of spirituality is is a lot like mine. It's about rhythms and connection, and we get deep into that. So (laughs) enjoy that conversation because it's so much fun to listen to. Don't forget now that you can actually catch her on The Flame, an original romantic comedy musical podcast that you can hear also on the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find it at bpn.fm slash the flame. Find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Go to the theaterpodcast.com to get more information. There's some links there to subscribe and show your support for the podcast. You can show support via Patreon so that the proceeds from that help go to continuing transcriptions and the ongoing production costs of keeping the podcast going. Now, everyone, please enjoy this episode with Jen Colella. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here you go. One, two, three. Today's guest is a Tony-nominated actress earning the nomination for her phenomenal performance as Captain Beverly Bass in Broadway's Come From Away. She made her Broadway debut in 2003 in Urban Cowboy and has numerous other credits that include High Fidelity, Chaplin, and If Then. And also, she was once a stand-up comedian. We'll get into that. And she can now be heard as one of the leads in The Flame, an original romantic comedy musical podcast. Also here on the Broadway Podcast Network, Jen Colella, welcome to the theater podcast. What's up, Alan? I'm glad to be here. <laughs> you just got back from vacation. You look relaxed. You look tan. I hope I hope <laughs> that uh, through all of this, this strange-ass COVID time, <laughs> With Broadway being shut down and no industry to speak of, uh, you still found a way to relax. And of course, we're here to talk about The Flame because that mm-hmm. was created and now is released in quarantine. So it is, you know, we're recording in June. This is going to come out and we're talking about Pride. We've got so much to cover. 
uh, gosh, where do you, where do you want to begin? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I have this much more thought out, and we've just You're been perfect. chatting. I love it. We've yeah. been chatting so much before we started recording that I, I'm trying to think of what I want to go back to uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to cover mm-hmm. here. Okay, so I guess let's start with let's start with little Jen in <laughs> South Carolina. Grew up in Charleston, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just outside of Charleston in in Somerville. Right. So, at what point? Um, I, I mean, reading up on your past, right? To prep for this, it's we've got the theater, we've got. Um, stand-up comedy, which I didn't know about until recently. And, and I guess what got you into, let's just start there. Yeah, What got you into theater? What got you into wanting to perform? And what was your childhood like? Um, there wasn't a great deal of theater where I lived. So I uh, was like a choir nerd. I loved singing in choir. So I started very early singing in choir, um, like eight years old. And then I was like concert choir and show choir. And I sang in church uh, to services just because I, I needed to sing. And it was such a wonderful place for me to learn about uh, music in that way. And then it wasn't until uh, late, I would say maybe my senior year of high school, that I finally saw like a huge production, like a Broadway show. It was Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> and that that's what did it for me, Alan. I was like, that I can do that. I need to do that. I remember driving around in my 1976 Datsun um, with one of the huge, like skinny stick shifts coming all the way from the floor, yep. singing Christine Daae at the top of my lungs, like, cool. It's cool like that. <laughs> what was the what's the need then? Like you said, you need to do that. What what is it for you mm-hmm. that is that need? It's it's about the vibration. Um, uh, someone told me once that there's a psychology um, that supports the notion that there is no greater way to connect than to sing with someone else. There's something about that vibration that really strikes a deep chord in in the human. Um, experience. And I, I really, really felt that it was fuel for me for a very long time and it gave me purpose. That's, uh, that's very cool that you said that. I've said that so many times, I think, and my listeners are probably tired of hearing me talk about the vibration <laughs> of life. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's literally, everything's a rhythm, right? You've got the the tides and singing and your heartbeat, right? That's mm. why someone told me recently that bass lines, people love bass lines because your heart your heart literally changes to match the bass line sometimes. Totally. And sex is a rhythm and like all of life all over the place is You're just speaking my language, Alan. This is what I believe. <laughs> I <laughs> love I love this kind of stuff because I literally was just came out of something else earlier. Where I was saying that my spirituality, I identify I guess as an atheist, I've never really defined it concretely because I do believe there's something that connects us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a higher power, but my my feeling is that it is is again the it's the vibration when you walk into a room and you instantly connect with somebody that you've never met before. And it doesn't have to be a sexual thing. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be, it could just be like I know this person. Yeah. And and it's interpreted differently as like, oh, we had a past life together or, oh, we're just instant buddies or, you know, whatever the case is, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and I think uh, when shows, something about Phantom, 
that vibration, the vibration of that show, the the desperation of the phantom or the way mm. that whoever the actress was was playing Christine Daae, like mm-hmm. that spoke to you in a in a way that entered entered your body and immediately on an unconscious level, you were just like, this is what this is who I am. For sure. I actually like wait one of my first memories. I just shared this the other day and some people think it's a little woo woo. I'm really glad that you're holding safe space for this kind of talk, Alan. (laughs) But uh, one of my earliest memories was being held by my mom. I can still smell. It was summertime because I could smell like the sweat kind of mixed with suntan lotion on her skin and her neck. And she was singing Barbara Streisand with Barbara Streisand singing Evergreen. And I can remember her joy flowing through that vibration and I connected that joy to the vibration of Barbara Streisand and wanted more and more of that. I I believe that was the moment when I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's something about this singing and there's something about that lady singing that comes directly through my mom into me to create joy. Oh, that is beautiful. I I love that. And now that you've said that, I don't know if I've ever made this connection either. My mother would listen to the cast albums of Cats and Phantom mm-hmm. when I was tiny, tiny. I have mm-hmm. never made this connection before. I'm, I'm sort of having a mind-blown moment. Okay, so <laughs> those were the two albums that I was an infant listening to. I mm-hmm. remember them very, very distinctly. And then growing up, as a young child, I, wa- I wore out the VHS tapes of West Side Story, Music Man, and Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. And so those are, those are like my five shows that, that I think have contributed to who I am through the love that my mother had for it. Yes, absolutely. Is that absolutely. Mess- is that you can up? feel the vibration of her joy. No, it's, that's life, bro. That's like, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Your mom is happy. So you're like, what's making that person that I'm connected to so happy? Oh, it's this vibration. Okay, let me keep that going so I can maintain my connection with her and my connection with happiness itself. Oh, that's, well, okay, okay. We've opened up a whole new layer here. So let's <laughs> let's dive into this. So the happiness layer, the vibration layer. Let's, I, mm-hmm. I love, I don't often talk about the woo-woo stuff, as you put it, but I like it. I think there's something to it. And Me so this, the vacation that you just went on, you said before recording, you was like, it's much needed. I got to go on it. Like when you <laughs> are in an industry that you do because it is you, you need it, you have to do it. And then all of a sudden it's just shut down and ripped away from you. Yes. A, What's going through your mind? How are you processing this? And then B, I guess more superficially, how does it relate to now with the light at the end of the tunnel? I think it's harder now than it was at the beginning because now we mm. want it to be back so bad and it can't right. be quite yet. And so you're going on vacation. So let's, yeah, let's start with that. And, and tell me about what happened when everything shut down. You, were, you had already left Come From Away, so you got closure there. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right, which was super helpful. Um, so I had a bunch of gigs lined up. I had... Um, I performed with my band in Alaska and we had a great gig at the Nico in San Francisco and we were able to do those. I traveled to New Zealand and Bali and um, was really like doing it. And then things started to get canceled. I was going on another Playbill cruise with Seth Rudetsky that got canceled. And then these other concert dates started getting canceled. And as I watched them like disappear from my schedule, I thought, ah, bummer, right? But not... (laughs) 
I wasn't yet devastated because quite honestly, I've been a professional actor for two decades now. So I, there are moments wherein we do not work. This mm -hmm. is something that, that we're used to. We can't fall apart when we don't have work because it's such a, a huge aspect of what we do. Um, so I knew, A, that I would get some downtime, which I have learned over the years to really embrace and to try to embrace. And then I knew that my like hustle mode would kick in when I need to needed it to, and it did. Um, so I hosted a lot of galas online, which I actually loved because I'd be like full gown and fuzzy socks, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> not going back to heels in a ballroom ever. This is much much better than having to work a room in some heels. Um, and I taught a lot of master classes, which I love and had to find new ways to connect to the room instead of um, people laughing or mm-hmming or uh, had to find new ways to create that space, which I really liked. Um, the toughest part of it was trying to do readings and concerts and, and, and the tech aspect of it. And I'm, I'm not a technical person, but I have had to learn. I have all this gear and I've had to learn lights and I've had to learn mics and all of that stuff has been challenging, but, um, but also good. I'm learning new skills. So I, I keep trying to move through the, the shifts as they come at me, which is what actors are, are want to do. So it, the the mental health aspect of this though were were you at any point just kind of i guess at worst case just in a place where you're just like screw it i'm i'm out i don't want to do this anymore I, I know so many people without the experience that you've got who are just like i'm i'm out i'm done i've left the city they moved to texas they moved to idaho mm -hmm. they, they're just gone yeah. i don't know if yeah. they're coming back yeah, for sure. I did. I did have that moment. I still may be in that moment. I, I realized that I love rehearsing much more than I love performing. Um, <laughs> there's something so safe about the rehearsal room wherein we can um, try and fail or succeed and learn and flirt and play and all of those things without without the, the judgment of the audience. I'm always sad after opening night, the show after opening, when the creative team isn't there anymore. And I'm like, where'd mom and dad go? We were, <laughs> I was just doing this whole thing for them. I was doing it for them. Um, and of course I love the energy from the audience and, and that sort of thing, but there's a safety to rehearsal and a feeling of, of community um, and, and really establishing the family that I love quite a lot. Um, but my desire to show off Alan is waning. Really? And I, yeah. And I think that I've, a big part of my what I've done to create a path for myself as an artist has been like, look over here. <laughs> like, I can do this. When I sing, it's always like the last time I'm ever going to sing. Right. I think that's kind of what people dig. And my desire to, to do that is, is kind of um, relaxing. So I, I don't know what that means. I, I'm interested to explore in my next project what kind of actress I am if I'm not one who wants to show off. There was a, a, a parallel that I'm drawing. There is a parallel that I'm drawing now as you're describing this natural progression that you're going through. And I can tell, I can tell just by watching how you're talking about things that you're, that you're I think, much more of a, I'm, I want to say spiritual, but that's not the right word, just more of a, a metaphysical person. 
than I think you get asked about or that you're maybe even publicly comfortable talking about. And I go back to um, to Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. I talked to Matthew about his book back in December. And it's funny because he's very, he's always been one to to be very connected to that calling, whatever it is in his life. And when he was in his 20s, he did rom-coms and then like into his 30s and, and he, you know, the early 40s, he was doing like the detective, the true detective stuff and the more serious things. And so now, he, and so now he's taking a break and he's coming back and who knows if he's going to run for governor of Texas, right? He, like he's making a, a difference that is not in the realm of theater. So, or mm-hmm. of TV and film. So where, what I'm, the parallel I'm drawing here is that he's always been very one publicly to do whatever he's called to do, whether it's get high and smoke, uh, get high and, and play bongos naked and get arrested or whatever the case is. Right. Uh, yeah. But he's always also chosen, valid, also a valid choice, <laughs> which I highly support. Uh, yeah. And, and he, he's always been one and I respect him for this. And I think you're, you're very much, you're very similar. And I respect you for this too, is that you're taking the projects along your path that you feel drawn to do versus what you think other people want you to do. For sure. And so, and yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's easier to do that as I get older, right? Yes. Like when I was younger, I was like just taking everything that came my way. And um, I've been very fortunate that people trust me with new works. Um, but so much of that was like making something shine. And um, I'm grateful uh, that I've had that opportunity. But yeah, I, I had like two movie auditions this week come in for self-tapes. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and wow. my younger self was like, what are you doing? And my older self was like, I'm conserving my energy. And I know that that's not the right fit for me. And I'm moving along. And it's such an interesting place to be. I I make the joke that uh, when I first came into this business, I was like, how many lines do I have? And now I'm like, how many lines do I have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious, though, now, how do you how do you evaluate? what you're looking at. How do you evaluate your projects? And I guess let's relate this to to The Flame, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. of course, a romantic musical, romantic comedy musical podcast. I have to get all that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yep. And, and it's all about um, a group of, uh, I guess, queer women in a bar. And it's in, in the focus is not about the fact that they are gay. And that's how it should be, right? It's not right. like, that's this right. isn't a story about gay people. It is just a great funny story that happens to have some homosexual uh, relationships in it. That's right. And I also love that it was created um, by an LGBTQ identifying creative team, right? Um, uh, Very often some queer stories come down the pike and it's like a straight white guy and you're like, you're being sweet. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you. You know what I mean? But there's something cool of, about uh, the on- the authenticity of it. Um, and you're exactly right. It's not it's not the fact that these women are queer. It's about looking at relationships in this particular setting. And uh, they also happen to be gay. Um, it's delightful. It's funny. I was really, really surprised by how funny it was. And then I started to care very much about the characters. Um, I played Joe, who's a regular at the bar. She's a lawyer. Um, 
she was a player for quite some time and then all of a sudden she meets someone that kind of knocks her off her feet and uh so it's it's a little side story that's that's really exciting and um yeah i'm just thrilled to be a part of it it's it's really fun to me to to see this stuff and and um it's important to me too to to see the to see the characters being portrayed and played by people who actually identify with that in the real world as well and mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I think it was Brandon Uranowitz, right? We got into a deep discussion about about the fact that when he was in Burn This, it was the first time he had been able to play an openly gay character as a gay man where mm. it wasn't a plot point. Mm. It, was just, it was just who he is. First of all, I love that person with a deep, deep love. Uh, <laughs> what an extraordinary fellow he is. Guy. Crazy talented, and did you see his performance? Did you see him yes. burn this? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. Unbelievable! Of that whole production, I loved. Adam Driver's just got his own thing going on. Oh my on. god! But, yes. Um, he Brandon was so beautiful, absolutely stunning. I would watch him do anything at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to like play a gay person in a gay show written by gay people uh, is not the norm. It's not something we get to do very often. Um, I think the only other time I, I got to do that um, was when I did the um, uh, Bebo Brinker Chronicles off Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, which was, um, you know, the Ann Bannon Pulp Fiction novels. Uh, and we had a, you know, Lee Silverman was our director and uh, Lily Tomlin was our producer. But that was that was years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um So it's, uh, you know, Brian Yorkie uh, was also half of the writing team for if then, and I got to play LaShawn's wife and that, so that was kind of cool. But again, um, it's, it's really quite unique that this is uh, a story that has a lot of gay women written by gay identifying women. It's, it's thrilling. Well, it's great that it's here. It's unfortunate that it is unique. And I hope that this, you know, just becomes part of, part of the zeitgeist. And, you know, this I is, this is a lot of what needs to change uh, as Broadway and theater return in general, I think, uh, you know, throughout the time of COVID, there was, of course, we talked about this ad nauseum, and it, and it rightfully so, that there is this whole social, uh, uh, racial reckoning and social awakening that everybody's been going through. And um, all, all of this now is is coming back to the fact that I think we are going to see such different things hit the stage three, four, five years from now because they need, they're mm-hmm. being written. They're influenced by what's happening right now. They need to get workshopped mm-hmm. and developed and all of that. That's right. right. Yes. So I, I, and everyone is clamoring for broad rate of change and there's a lot of things that must change and have to change. And I agree with that. And I'm, I also want to point out too, that it will take years because it takes years to get develop what is these happening new now. Yes. That's right. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Yeah, we, we have to um, keep the conversation at the forefront for sure um, and, and trust that this is a that this is a process. And I, I get that it should have happened a long time ago. But and now we're having these conversations. We've got to bring them to the table and, and the new works will begin to develop. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Yeah, I, I talk about it as much as I can because it's very important. You can't just flip a switch. And say, all right, we're we're equitable now. Like that's just not. This is a show business. That's not that's how right. this works. That's right. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And I want to take this back a little bit to, to you relating to all of this, because at least according to Wikipedia, you describe yourself as mostly gay. <laughs> now, I want to point out that Wikipedia, I didn't describe myself at all. Someone else wrote that page. <laughs> I have no control over what's on Wikipedia, nor does anyone else. But that is true. I do, I do identify as mostly gay. Yeah. What does, that, what does that mean? That means that every once in a while, the vibration of a dude will hit me on all levels. And I, if I'm single and if, if I'm able to... Um, then I will open my, my, my heart to that fella, uh, that that's happened. It's surprising when it does, but it has. Some fellas have really knocked me off my feet. And um, so I, I, I want to keep that, that part of me open. I am definitely mostly drawn to women. Um, and uh, that's just kind of how I roll. But I, there, there is a part of me that uh, is also deeply attracted to men. It, it, I, I'm just I, as surprised as you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because everybody, everybody has, you know, it's a spectrum. You hear this all the time, and yeah, yeah. and I always, to a fault, I think, take this. I internalize what I hear from my guests and and relate to like, oh, how does it relate to me, or what? How does how do I fall into this too? And and I've I have always been able to look at. I mean, I'm attracted to women. And I've always been able to look at other men and say, like, oh, he's an attractive guy without being attracted to him. Mm -hmm. I can acknowledge that, like, oh, that guy probably has a lot of people that find him very uh, <laughs> desirable. Yeah. Um, or what, whatever the case is, right? And I wonder how much of that is, is literally just genetically who I am versus mm -hmm. how much growing up, again, in a small... North Carolina town, how much I was right. told that's how I was supposed to be. Pre-internet, I didn't have broadband till college. You know, I was, I'm one of the few that grew up analog or was born mm -hmm. analog and grew up digital. So I know, I know both sides of this. And uh, now that the internet is literally carried around in everybody's pockets as kids, I think about this with my kids too. And mm -hmm. I heard a, a statistic a little while ago um, that it's like over half of kids under 16 identify as uh, not hetero, hetero, hetero or homosexual. It's just, what, it's just whatever, right? Amazing. Because now that they can see through communication and connection 
how much else is out there, it, they realize that it doesn't much matter. Mm-hmm. So going back to That's my original right. point, right? Yeah. I, I just wonder yeah. how much of this is what I was told I was supposed to be as a kid versus yes. how I actually you know, am. And I, obviously there's a lot of overlap, but you know, for yeah, you, had you been allowed to imagine uh, those things, and right. yeah, because I wasn't allowed to think about being with women. We were not supposed to be with women. I was like boy crazy, and then I I slept with my college roommate, and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, oh man, oh my goodness, and I just felt like the whole world opened up to me. Um, so yes, I think you're right, Alan. I think had you had the opportunity and maybe like one more shot at tequila, you could have <laughs> <laughs> made out with some cute guy and then be like, oh, every once in a while, I like to make out with a guy or whatever it is. Yeah, it's interesting. That's funny. So when when you're building up to the the moment when you're like, I think I'm going to do something with my college roommate, are you, are you questioning yourself are you like i know i'm gay but i can't talk about it or are you like i'm not sure i want to try it no this was a surprise um we um we were playing truth or dare and her boyfriend fell asleep (laughs) it was like a simultaneous moment and at first i was like oh man i have no idea what i'm doing here i just loved her i didn't know how else to to express that love but i was very nervous because i was like i don't know this and then something in me clicked and i was like Wait a minute. Yes, I do. I know this quite mm. well. This is this is a mirror of of my own body, and I love this person. So that's all that matters. Um, so it was it was a huge moment of of opening up for me, and and uh, where passion and like true love collided. Wow! Wow! That <laughs> that is a, a a different story, I think, than I've heard from most people. Most people that that. Uh, I guess I've come either friends that have come out to me where I've just said, oh, yeah, of course I knew. Like, it didn't mm. matter. Just right, it's right. the typical sort of thing. Or um, somebody who, the, kind of the flip of that, the reverse of that, where they've known their whole life and have been so afraid of their family or their friends or their work or whatever it is that is like, mm-hmm. wait a second, I'm not allowed to do this. So mm-hmm. I have to keep putting up the rouge and you you hear about uh, men and women who like get, they have families together and uh, then all of a sudden they're like, I got to get a divorce. I, this isn't who I am anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, I empathize with those people, but I can't imagine the struggle that they must go yeah. through. Right. Right. Yeah. I didn't, it wasn't even in my, in my, head or heart um they're just we didn't talk about it in the south we didn't talk about gay people right. we knew it was out there but we did not mention it and so it wasn't allowed in um and thinking back i, I think there were probably some teachers that i thought um uh, i really wanted to be close to and, and maybe maybe that was something you know or girls that i i was really drawn to but i thought i wanted to be like them uh maybe maybe that was it but it it really, it kind of struck me. Uh, it was out of the blue. Wow. That's a, that is a very powerful and unique story, I think. At least mm-hmm. from, from what I've heard. And yeah, then, totally. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Of uh, course. So let's go back to the stand-up comedian days. Okay. I don't think I forget about those. No way. <laughs> so you're performing, you're singing, and then did you go to college? You went to college for performing arts, yeah? 
Well, I went. Uh, I did my undergraduate work in South Carolina at a small liberal arts school called Columbia College, and then I took three years uh, where I worked at an insurance company. I was the lead singer of a rock band, and I became a company member at the only professional theater at the time called Trust Us Theater that would do Nikki Silver and you know Angels in America, and there's a late night. Um, uh, Bill that did shows like Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. It was dope. Uh, so for three <laughs> years I did that. And then I went to graduate school to get my master's in acting from the University of California at Irvine. And it was there during my third year of that program that I started to go to LA and kind of check out some of the sets at the comedy store and the Laugh Factory and and was encouraged by people to just write a set and, and try to, to get up there. And so I did it. What did it was you write terrifying. about? <laughs> it was oh, terrifying. that's, that's got to be so terrifying. I can't imagine doing that. I mean, first of all, I did it primarily to be more visible within that particular industry because theater wasn't like a thing. So in in LA, I was like, oh, this is a good way. I thought I wanted to do sitcoms. I was like, this is this is definitely a path that people take. Um, what was beneficial about it was that if I failed on stage and Boy, did I. Mm -hmm. um, there was no one to blame. There's no pianist to blame. There's no other writers to blame. It was wholly on me. But I, I soon discovered that in the very next breath, I could get them back. I could get a laugh at that, that the world could indeed collapse, but it would keep on spinning. And that kind of offered me a courageousness for every time I step on stage. That's a wonderful parallel. And I was, I'm going to bring that in now to to the uh, when you're creating a character um is it is it sort of the same process it, it, like something like come from away is not a a comedic show it's got humor to it and, and lots of humor it's it's a very fun show to watch but it's mm -hmm. like the whole thing is one act no intermission like you, once it starts you get shot out of a cannon until it's <laughs> over which is basically yeah. paralleling the experience of what the actual residents of you know gander and the airplanes had to go through and That's right. So when you're creating these characters, though, and then especially something that's modeled after a real person who the real Beverly Bass you've become friends with, I, mm -hmm. I hear, yeah. So uh, when you're creating this character, um, how far do you go? Or I guess, yeah, how far do you go when trying to to skirt that line between what's authentic and what's just gonna play for a laugh? Um, that's so interesting. I, like you can't, within the, the confines of the theater world, I can't play for the laugh, right? I have to ask for the butter, not for the laugh. Uh, and that's something that I, I have to really work on because when I was doing standup, it was very much like, but I'm bump, like right. you knew it was a punchline. I'm definitely asking for a laugh. I've built up to this. It's time for you to laugh. Um, I have to fight it still. Um, in in any show to not be like waga waga um, uh, and just play it honestly and trust that if there's humor that will be there so that's something I, I really really have to work on as far as the as far as the authenticity goes um, when developing a character and someone whom I know who actually exists in real life I find and there are many different methodologies um, to, to what good acting is but I find that if I bring myself 
to what's on the page. And in this case, I also have the extra added bonus to meeting this person and sitting down and, and having coffee with this person. If I can somehow meld all three of those things, then that will be the most authentic. Then I'm serving absolutely everyone. I don't know how some actors are like, I become the character I channel and I become, that feels like a magic trick to me. Like dope. <laughs> if you can do that. Awesome. Like honestly, brava, but I don't know how to not bring my own experience and heartbreak and triumphs into what I see on the page. And then when I got to know Captain Bass and I saw how she holds a coffee cup or what her eyebrow does when she's about to tell a secret, then I can pepper those things in mm. as well. Oh, did, did did you all, you and the rest of the cast, or maybe you were unique, like, did you meet the original uh, people that you were modeling, your, that you were portraying? Um, I guess, how far along during the process? Were you already in rehearsals? Or did you already, like, staged anything, and then they were icing? Or was it like you met them, you traveled to Gander and meet them first? They were they were icing. We had already, we, um, we actually had just about finished previews in La Jolla when Captain Bass got there. The opening night was the next night. Wow. And there was a restaurant across the street from from the theater where we all went and hang out to hang out after a show. And she was there. We spotted one another from across the room and she made her way over to me and she said, I think you're playing me. And I said, I think you're right. <laughs> and we embraced and I immediately felt this kinship. And then she started to tell me her story about 9-11, like exactly what I do every night. She had no idea that she had such a pivotal role in the show. She met these two young kids, David and Irene, the writers, however many years ago at the 10-year reunion and told them her story. And then she got word that there was some musical. She had no idea. So she's talking to me about how she was flying from Paris to Dallas and how she and her husband, Tom, put pins in a map uh, on in, in their kitchen and how there were 38 planes that were doing. And I was like, you don't say like I just knew <laughs> her head was going to explode the next night and it did I can remember she was sitting in the third row right in front of me as I sang that song about her life um, and having read the transcripts from the interviews it's, it's very very close um, you know they theatricalized it and made it rhyme but like it's, these are her words uh, she she flipped out and so she saw the show after that 164 times I believe is the count yeah yeah and throughout our journey together, I got to know her more and more. And so I could then kind of layer in some of the things that I had already established as a foundation for that character. Well, I'm wiping away a little bit of a tear here. I think that's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> the, I didn't know that the original people were so far removed from the creation. I thought they, I mean, of course, their interviews were used. The tra you're saying the transcripts were used. Their, their first person accounts were used. But... God, to experience that in person and then to hear they're making a show about it. Okay, cool. And then to show <laughs> up and she's telling you things. She's telling you things that obviously you know about because it's all in the show, but she doesn't know it's in the show. And then to see that, imagine from her eyes, from her perspective. I saw all her reacting as I was singing these things. It was so meta. It was just bananas. Oh, my yeah. Gosh. The pins on the map, the whole thing. She and Tom were looking at each other like, what's going on? It was wild. It was wild. It was cool. I, I can't imagine how cool that would be. That would just, yeah. oh, just be so phenomenal to see your story, to see your story told like that. And, and uh, yeah, I guess sort of the same thing. I was talking with Derek Baskin the other day about uh, 
Love about, that you know, talking with Otis Williams and telling that story of the temptations and just, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, Stephanie J. Block has become so close with Cher and mm-hmm. you've got, oh God, I can't, oh, this is, this is a whole new level of, of <laughs> connection that I haven't even thought about until now. I love it. It's wild. That. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's really, it's an honor. It's cool. And it helps as an actor. It helps. And, and, you know, the, you don't want to totally become that person because then people are like, Oh, it's not quite a, you're not exactly that, that to me again, isn't the most effective uh, acting. It's combining the two of us, which is cool. Right. Right. And then you've got, you got to pepper in what the director wants and then the music, that's right. Know, the choreographer and you know, that's there's, right. it's, it's, it's a true ensemble piece. It's, just it still is one of the best shows i think is is on broadway and it's going to return september 24th 27th 21st 21st september 21st yep Yep. so it is returning i can't wait to see it again but um let us wrap up here with three standard closing questions i ask everybody okay okay so the first one very simply is just what motivates you connection i believe that Connecting to other beings, whether it's a tree that I feel drawn to and want to hug, or it's my little dog who's like, put your phone down and get over here and play, or a person who uh, is in need of a hug. Connection motivates me to do just about everything. Oh, I love that. Okay. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Trust that you are enough. You don't have to emulate anyone else. You can admire other people, but there's nothing that you should have as uh, like, you're not, you don't need to be an expert in anything where you are on your path right now is exactly right. And the more you can trust that you are enough where you are right now, the rest of it seems, it, it just makes it a lot easier. I like that. Okay. So the last question, this is super hard. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see well, it as many times as you want, what would you see? Holy cannoli. Just the one, huh? Just oh one. Oh, my God. Um, that's bananas, Alan. That's a bananas question. Um, good God. <laughs> you know, I'm like flashing. My my mind is flashing to all of these shows that I've loved. Um but forever is like, am I interrupted? Did I do something bad? <laughs> like, no, why am I? You, you've crash landed on an island uh, that has yeah. power and a DVD player, and you could save one DVD. What is it? I don't. Uh, here's the truth. I'm not a big musical theater fan. <laughs> so like to, to think that that's, I mean, I want to say Pink Floyd, The Wall, you know what I mean? But that's not. I'm good with that's, that. That's fine. That's the album that I, that I want to hang on to. If it was just musical theater for the rest of my life, I wouldn't make it. I would throw myself into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> well, that says a lot about you. I love that. Okay. When, where can we find you on social media? Um, I am on the Twitter. Um, at Jen Kalella, I think, and, and Instagram at Jen Kalella. Yeah. And of course, uh, check her out as Joe on the flame at bpn.fm slash the flame. It is a great show. You can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Please leave a rating and leave a review wherever you're listening now. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. And thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Jen, thank you. This has been such a unique 
and different <laughs> conversation than I normally have. I really, really enjoyed this. I like that too. Can I put a little plug in for Twitter is at the Flame Musical and Instagram is at the Flame Musical. If you guys want to follow that too, yes. um, we would love it. All right, right on. Yes, yes. All of this will be in the show notes. And uh, okay, so good. Follow, follow, and tell your friends. It's such a good show. Thank you. Thanks Jen, for so your much. time and energy, Alan. I appreciate you, man. Take a deep breath. Make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.